0: All right, let's turn to the Word of God, shall we? Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Last week I spoke to you about the kingdom of God. I'm going to continue on that. I'm going to take you into a message concerning the Sabbath. I call this the Sabbath rule, and that's a little play on words, the Sabbath rule. To many believers, to Old Testament saints, to Pharisees, Folks of the Old Testament, if I were to say the Sabbath rule, you would consider the law of God. The fourth command to follow the Sabbath, keep it holy, and that's the rule. And the Pharisees were so careful to live a righteous life and be uh, so right with God by the rule of the law that they had forgotten what the law was for. The law was given to us to show us the glory of God and the perfection of God, and in obedience to that, finding His heart, we would love Him with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body. But the Pharisees added to the rule of the Sabbath more rules. and So if we're to speak of the Sabbath rule, they would say, well, you can't walk past a mile, you can't do any work, you can't carry this many piles of sticks, you can't cannot tie a knot unless you tie it with one hand. That's not easy. And so they they put these rules around the rules of the law so that they'd have an extra protection barrier so that if you even failed that rule, you still didn't break the law of God. But what they did is they instilled all these ideas that missed the heart of the law. And so when I say Sabbath rule, to many people it means obey, obey, do this, do that. And what I want to share with you this morning is the true heart and essence of the Sabbath. Because the true heart and essence of the Sabbath is the rule of God's reign and authority. The Sabbath rule is the sovereign God ruling over our lives and within everything of our being. That's what the Sabbath rule is, God's reign. Let me prove it to you. Uh, I like what Habakkuk says. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. What, What does God do in a temple? In Eastern thought, they understood that the universe was run from the throne of God. And that God was in the center of the universe. And as he sat upon his throne, he ruled and reigned all aspects of creation. And all activities. So when God is in his temple, he is upon his throne and ruling and reigning in the universe. Now that's the concept. So that's why many cultures and people would build temples in their cities and in their countryside. Because they would build a temple because they wanted their God to sit on the seat of authority for their nation and for their people and rule over them. That's why you built a temple. But the God of Israel revealed Himself to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and the people of Israel to tell them He is the only God. And as He gave the revelation of who He was, He spoke it to Moses. And Moses wrote this in the book of Genesis. Now, you need to get that Eastern mindset to begin to understand what God is trying to say in the creation account. We're Western people. We are ruled by science and materialism. And so when we look at the book of Genesis, we think of it purely as materialistic and scientific. And so when we see that God said, let there be light, we go, okay, there's the energy, and there's light. And then he created darkness and light separating into the first day. That's a 24-hour period. God made the lights. God made this. God made that. And we look at how God made material things. But if you would look at an Eastern concept, Genesis chapter 1 is not about strictly materialistic God making sun, God making moon, God making birds, God making fish. It's about God preparing His throne and His temple to reign upon. In day 1 and day 2 and day 3 and day 4, seven days He built the universe so that he may sit in the temple of the universe and rule and reign over his creation. Genesis chapter 1 is about God building the throne of the heavens. His throne. Let me show you this. Look at Genesis chapter 2. It says this, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, He rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Our mindset is, that's a lot of work. He needs a break. God just finished six days of work. Dude, that took a lot of effort. Making fish and making birds and making animals and then packing dust together and making people. This is hard work. So God needed a break. And so what he decided to do was take the seventh day off. Wow, I'm glad because that gives us the seventh day off too and I don't have to go into work. We like that. But see, what we're missing from the Eastern mindset is when it says that God rested, that has nothing to do with God not doing anything. What it means is he created all of these things so that his throne in a, in a physical world would be established over the universe. And that what it means by he rested is he took his position of authority over the cosmos. That's what this verse means. He took his authority over Over the cosmos on the seventh day. If you'll look throughout scripture, you'll see that it took seven days to prepare for the temple that Solomon built for dedication. They would spend seven days in preparation for the dedication of the temple, dedication of the tabernacle. It was God's presence seated there. And that's what creation is, in fact. Let me prove it to you. Isaiah 66 says this, this is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you'll build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being? What came into being? His resting place. His temple of authority. He sits in the heavens, and the earth is his what? Footstool. And so what happened in creation, what happened when he pronounced Sabbath or the day of rest, he stopped his preparation of preparing his temple and on the seventh day took the throne of that temple. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God isn't resting. He is seated in authority and working to bring His glory to bear in all of creation. That's what's meant by the Sabbath. And so what we need to do for the Sabbath is recognize the sovereign work of God. Let me prove it to you a little further. Let's go to the Psalms. Psalm 132, verses 7 and 8. Let us go to His dwelling place. Let us worship at His footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to Your resting place you and the ark of your might. So what is a resting place to God? The place of His dwelling, the place of His tabernacle, or the place of His temple. It's where the seat of authority is. And so what the writer of the Psalms is saying, we know that you've taken authority over all creation. You've said on the seventh day you rested or took authority. The earth is your footstool. The heavens are your throne. You are sovereign over all these things. And so when God spoke to Israel and said, make me a tabernacle, how many of you remember what the tabernacle was a model of? Anybody? 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 The throne room of heaven. Right? Right? God told Moses, you need to be extremely careful how you make this thing. I want you to follow it exactly because it represents the throne room of God. It's a model. Why did he want Israel to have a model of the throne room of God? Because he wanted to dwell on the throne over Israel. He wanted to be in the midst of their sanctuary and in their presence. And so Israel was a model of all creation of what God wanted to accomplish. He sits on the throne of all creation. And on the seventh day, when he came to the triumphal place of being enthroned and resting on his throne over all the universe, his highest creation rebelled against his rule and authority and ate from the tree. That's the height of the rebellion of Adam and Eve. You see, after the seventh day where Jesus took his seat as ruler, sovereign over all the universe and he gave authority of man over the earth to imitate him, man rebelled against his sovereignty. That's why the fall is so terrible. It's not about eating an apple. It's about rebelling against the seated, sovereign authority of God. And they broke Sabbath. They broke the authority of God over their lives. That's why when he told Israel, Build me an ark. What's the ark? The mercy seat is the throne of God. It represents the heavens. The outer place represents the second heavens. And the outer courts represent the earth, the physical realm. It's an imitation of God's throne on earth. And he wanted his presence to rule and reign over Israel. And he commanded them, This will be the sign that separates you from all other nations that you are my people and I am your God. Our covenant sign shall be Sabbath. Look it up in the book of the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. The Sabbath was the covenant sign to Israel that they belonged to God. Why? Because Sabbath was the time they were to stop all labor and all work and recognize one thing God is sovereign in my life. He's my provider, He's our everything. He is seated in authority over my lives. That's what Sabbath was meant for. But they broke it into something of what you can or can't do. They were missing the point of the Sabbath rule. They were inventing rules instead of knowing His rule over their lives. Let's go on in the book of Psalms and see it a little further. The next verses of 13 and 14 of Psalm 132. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for His dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. You see what I mean about how the seventh day is where He rested and what does resting to God mean his throne his dwelling place and so the earth and the heavens are his throne and dwelling place he chose Israel to imitate that on the earth and eventually to Jerusalem and to the hill there Zion where he said I will rest what does rest mean to God yes you've been listening thank you sister and you win the prize I got 50 cents here you can have after the service. That's what rest is. It's different for us, right? What do you think rest is? That's what you're going to do this afternoon. When we think that God is resting, we think He's not doing anything. How many of you have prayed thinking God's not listening? Right? God's sleeping. Where are you? So contrary to who God is. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus ever lives to make intercession. That means he's ever attentive, ever active to minister to you 24-7. When it says that God rested on the seventh day, it means he ruled. He took his throne and authority and he is ruling this universe. How many of you really believe that? It's hard to convince the world out there well, if there's a loving God, why is there so much evil going on? Let them know it's them. <laughs> Help them out. Help them out. They want God to stop all the evil, but they don't want God messing with them. There's a lot to think about in that statement. Anyways, let's go on. So the resting place for God, he said, it's in Zion. Isn't that beautiful? Because the Sabbath also points to the victory that Jesus brought. He said, if there is anyone weary or heavy laden, let him come unto me and I will give you rest. I will let you know and understand the sovereign rule of God. Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and he broke the power of death in the grave, rose from the dead, and is what? Seated at the right hand of God in all authority and power has been given unto him in heaven and earth and below the earth. Does that sound like he is at rest? He is at rest by ruling. That's what that rest is. It's done. It's over. Didn't he say something like that? It is hmm, finished. Right? And so Christ is ruling and reigning right now. He is at rest, but it's the rest of a king who sits on his throne. He doesn't have to worry about a next election. He's not warring against an enemy to overcome. He is ruling and reigning on his throne. And he will come again. And where is he going to return to? Where will his feet land? Mount of Olives, which happens to be in Jerusalem. It's like the next hill over to Zion where he will enter into the eastern gate and he will establish his kingdom forever. And when you look in the book of Revelation, you'll see the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven and where will it land? Where will it suspend? Over Zion, where his throne will rule and reign forever. And we are in the midst of that. And what's going on? So, the Sabbath, brothers and sisters, is not a, a book of rules. It's a celebration of His rule in our lives. Because where has the new temple been established? In us. And where does the authority of God rest now? In us. And so the Holy Spirit seated, and we have rest from our labors and from our works of trying to be righteous. Because the king of righteousness has taken his seat of authority within us that we may have peace with him. So there's really three keys to the Sabbath rest and the Sabbath rule of God in our lives. And this really helps us understand what we should be doing in pursuing the Sabbath of God. And it starts with these three things: God's reign, God's provision, and God's redemptive purposes. That's why he gave the Sabbath, so he would readjust all of us. It would readjust all of our thinking so that we would quit our labors and begin for at least one day to get refocused, reacclimated, and recognize he is sovereign over my life despite my best efforts or my failings. And you would rest from your abilities and your labors and look to God as your sovereign, as your provider, and as your Redeemer. That's why we need a Sabbath rest, to get ourselves back together again. That's why we meet as a bunch of people. Look at you. You're all a bunch of people. We're all here together to learn this, to know this, to worship God. We sang songs, and while we're doing that, we're remembering God is on his throne. Let the world be silent. He's holy, and he's wonderful, and he's reverent. So let's take a look at each one of these, and we're going to take a look at them through Jesus' ministry. And I brought some scripture together of Jesus on the Sabbath. So let's start with the first one, God's reign. And so we understand that when God rested on the seventh day, it meant he took his seat of authority over all the physical created universe, and he gave us dominion on the earth to begin to imitate that. We rebelled against that. He has been working to redeem that back, and he did that through Jesus Christ, who is now seated, ruling and reigning in the heavens and in our hearts, the church. And so we need to Sabbath rest so that we would recognize God's in control. Let's take a look at this. John 5, verses 16 through 18. Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath. It's interesting that he would do that quite often why do you think he did that to challenge the status quo of those who thought they knew god and to show them how far off the mark they were and so in john 5 it says so because jesus was doing these things on the sabbath the jewish leaders the jewish leaders began to persecute him <clears throat> In his defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I, too, am working. You blew it, Jesus. Genesis 2 says the Father is resting. The Father stopped his work. Now, as we understand that rest in Genesis 2, as we used to think, and the Lord rested on that Sabbath day, we'd figure he's done with all of his work. Jesus said the opposite, didn't he? He said, my Father is at work, working to this very day, because Jesus is speaking of the rule and the reign of the Father. He's speaking to that Eastern mindset that understands that when a king is resting, he is seated on his throne with full authority and power, working his kingdom. And that's what Jesus was speaking to. They were missing the boat on the Sabbath. You can't do good things for God on the Sabbath. You're supposed to rest. And they said, no, no, no. My God is working. He said, the Father's working and so am I. How many of you remember when Jesus said this? The very works I do, I do because I see my Father doing them. So Jesus healed this man because he saw the Father heal the man. In the spirit realm, from the throne, and by his authority, he said, man be healed. And Jesus said, yes sir, I'm going over there and touched the man, and he was healed. So what's happening is the sovereign power and authority of God is in the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for all of us to stop and watch God for a few minutes. I love this. What do you think the seraphim do? I never understood seraphim. You know, Seraphim, Isaiah chapter 6, they're high and above the throne, right? They've got six wings, two to fly, two cover their feet, two cover their eyes because they're in the holy presence of God. And they are just above the throne going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Help me out. The whole earth is filled with his glory. You get it? They're above the throne room of God and he is commissioning and calling and declaring the earth to display his glory and that's what the seraphim are doing wouldn't you love that view i would love that view i know they got two two wings over their eyes but i'm figuring every now and then they're going like this i mean that's what i'd do what a view from there But you see, God is at work. God is at work. God has never left you alone. God has never denied this earth. God has a plan, brothers and sisters. We don't understand it. We don't know it. And so when we think God's not working, we labor harder. He says, take a break, won't you? You know, it takes faith to stop all your efforts and trust him. That's where Israel failed. He said, I want you to be identified by the Sabbath. I want you as a nation to be identified that that is your covenant sign so that when people know how to distinguish you, you're a people who stop one day a week from everything you're doing just to honor me. You don't bring me sacrifices and food and this and that to appease me. You bring that so that you can get a better look at me. I I want you to let the land rest every seven years. Give it a year rest. Do you know that takes a little bit of faith? right? Because we have to labor to get things done. Well, I don't know if I could rest all seven. Do you know they never rested the seventh year? God had to put them into Babylon because they failed to rest. They would not rest every seven years. God commanded them rest. What was the rest for? Why were they supposed to stop? To see what He was up to. To watch His reign and His glory stop what you're doing and do this. Can't we as a people stop one day out of the week and honor God and praise Him and say, oh my gosh, I missed you all week. I haven't been keeping my eyes open. Every now and then. And and they wouldn't do it. And you see, but God provided the six-year double so that you could rest the seventh. I already ate it all. that's what we do. He gives us abundance, we eat it all. They wouldn't rest. They wouldn't honor God. That's what it's about. Stop. Let the reign of God rule in your lives. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your spirit, he says. In other words, stop. God is on his throne. Let the earth be silent. Be still and know that I'm God. The Sabbath is about us realigning ourselves with God's in control, and I'm not. Boy, a lot of us need to understand that. You've been working it hard. You've been trying your best to do good for Jesus. Why don't you stop a minute and let him, why don't you look and see how good he did for you? His work isn't over, amen? His work is not over. He is working. My Father is always at work and to this very day. And I, too, am working. On the Sabbath? Yeah. Get it? See, they didn't get it. He's king, and we need to stop and recognize. Honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, remembering what the world was like before we messed it up. God's in control. We messed it all up. We cease from our labors so that we can remember why we work the other six days and recognize the most important things that happen in our lives are things that happen through God's work, not ours. James says, remember that all good and perfect gifts come from the Father of lights, not your checkbook. We love rugged individualism in America. Pull up by your own bootstraps. Right? I did it my way. What you need there is a good Sabbath. Stop, shut up, and listen and see the glory of God. The only reason you and I have what we have is because God has been so gracious to give it to us. No matter what evil has come against us, life, death, nothing can separate us from the love of God, and we've got to remember that. That's what Sabbath is about, watching the sovereign rule of God in our lives and learning to appreciate it. Sometimes you've got to go deep on those days. Sometimes you've got to understand God in a deeper way than you ever thought. You didn't think God was working it out right for you. You were telling Him what to do, and He wasn't doing it. (laughs) Obviously, He's not doing it correctly. But he was doing something above all that you could ask or even imagine or comprehend Till he finally taps you on the shoulder and says, look over this way. Oh, now I get it. Thank you, God. I had an aha moment like that last week where uh, I was talking. My wife and I were on the back porch and we were talking and it summed up 20 years in a thought. It was like, oh, thank you, God. Have you ever had that? I was arguing with him for about 20 years. Was that too long of an argument? Maybe if I would have taken more time to consider, I would have learned it much quicker. And that's what Sabbath was designed for. The Sabbath rule are not the rules for you. It's his rule in your life. Let's go to number two. Let's take a look at this. God's provision. Sabbath reminds you that God is your provider. You can rest. In fact, you can't afford not to rest in God instead of laboring on your own. Here's another situation in Mark 2.27 where Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath. He said to them, they were mad at him because he did it, right? And so Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now wait a minute. Jesus messed with them right there. He'd always give him a zinger on the Sabbath. (laughs) really mess up their understanding of things. If you'll read the next verse, it says that they were furious with him and they wanted to kill him because he equated himself with God. You see Jesus took on the title of Lord of the Sabbath. Let's go back to the beginning in Genesis 2 and who established Sabbath? God. The creator of the heavens and earth. And what is Jesus saying? That's me. I love these folks who, are, who uh, come against Christianity and say, you know, Jesus never said he was God. Yeah, he did. Right there. When he called himself Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath is the one who created all things and then rested, him, taking his authority on the throne. Jesus said, I'm that guy. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And they wanted to kill him right there. But what does he say about the Sabbath? Look at the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. In other words, what he's saying is the Sabbath was given to us, mankind, so that we would stop all our work and see the glory of God. Recognizing God is in control and authority of our lives. It was made for us. We weren't made for the Sabbath to labor and try and please God and labor and think that we can add to His glory or make His name great. He doesn't need us for that. His name is great. Nothing we can do to add to Him. Sabbath was given to us so that we would recognize the Lord of the Sabbath. You getting this? He's our provider. He's our provision. We've turned the Sabbath into a law of inactivity, which is somehow going to gain us favor with God. In fact, the Sabbath has little to do with our not working, but with God's ongoing work in our lives. That's what the Sabbath is recognizing. We made it into, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, instead of, look what he did, look what he did, look what he's doing, wow. (laughs) Haven't you ever been with someone you love and they said, you know what, could you stop doing that and just sit with me for a while? Can we talk? Can we connect? You know, let's go to the movies. Let me show you what I've done in your life. Everybody loves movies. Why don't you spend an hour with God and let Him show you some movies of what He's done in your life. And you begin to consider all that God has done. Amen? He is amazing. It's a, it's a day to quit trusting in our works and come to God. That's why when Jesus said, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, what that weariness and heavy laden is, is our sin life, is our, our activities to please God, to accomplish things for God. He said, are you, are you done yet? Are you tired of that? Come unto me. I'll give you rest. And I will yoke myself to you. My burden is light. It's easy. It's light. Because... When you come in Sabbath, you recognize the sovereignty of God. And here's the thing about Sabbath, brothers and sisters, because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He became the rest in God. So it's not just one day on Saturday. Now the church looks to the new creation, the resurrection of Jesus. We come together on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, looking forward to His return. The Sabbath celebrated His enthronement over creation But the day of the Lord, the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday, looks to His return and His ruling and reigning over all of creation in the future. But I want you to know something. It's no longer a day with Jesus. My my Sabbath is Saturday. My Sabbath is Sunday. My Sabbath is Monday. And I Sabbath rest on Tuesday. And I look at the glory of God on Wednesday. And the Holy Spirit stirs me up on Thursday. Friday is my Sabbath too. And I'm back on Saturday. Every day is a Sabbath rest in Christ because I have the Holy Spirit in me revealing His constant, present intercession and glory. I am always at rest with God and I can always magnify and exalt His name. That's Sabbath. Let's go on. When we try to work, this is typically what happens. The reason we work is because it gives us self-worth. It sustains us. gives us a sense of independence. I could take a poll right now of all of you that lost your jobs. Many, many folks here have lost their job. And what was the first thing that happened to you? Panic? Where am I going to sustain? What am I going to do with money? Your self-worth went really low. This is one of the main things that really brings men into depression. When men lose their jobs, they they qualify themselves by what they do. And so their self-worth and value is what they accomplish and what they do. And so when they lose their job, what so often happens is their self-worth comes down. Many people in our society uh, rate themselves by what they do. Get a group of guys together and I can tell you what the first question is. When you don't know each other and you're standing around, you're going, "Uh, uh." so what do you do? Right? That's the first question. With ladies, it's, I like that dress. That's provision number two. They're they're in that area. (laughs) But the Sabbath is here to tell you that your self-worth is not in what you do. It's in who you know I am. Your sustenance is not by your ability but by my provision. That's what Sabbath tells you. And your independence is broken off because you're honoring Sabbath saying, I am not independent and on my own. I am covered by a God who will never leave me nor forsake me. The Sabbath reminds you again that God is your sustainer, your provider, your value and worth and that you are dependent completely on him now that's the truth isn't it can you see how this works completely against the spirit of America this is what America values itself on and it's so contrary this culture that we're in is so contrary to the culture of Sabbath to the culture of honoring God as my value my sustainer right? My worth and my dependence upon him. That's what it does. Now let's go to the third point. He's a God of redemption. We go on to Mark chapter 3, and Jesus again heals on the Sabbath. (laughs) That rascal, he's just messing with them. He's got to break down their thinking and their concepts. Has God ever done that with you? Has God ever messed you up? Comes in and he rearranges your theological furniture. You had the couch over here. You had his throne over there. He comes in. You come in and go, ah, what happened? Jesus came through. (laughs) You, You thought it was this way and he showed you it's not. And so he again heals a man with a withered hand. But he did it on the Sabbath. And so they're a little ticked. And he says this, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Our God is a God of what? Life. In Genesis 1 through, uh, days 1 through 6, he created all things. He's a God of life. And he came to bring back and restore what sin and death has killed. Jesus has come as the Lord of the Sabbath to bring life and life what? More abundantly. He is a God of life, a God of Sabbath, ruling and reigning in your hearts and in your life to bring you an abundant life. What is that life? Remember, here's our Western mind. We think, oh, he came to give us life and life abundantly. Ha ha ha! A bigger car, a bigger house, more cash. If I put a hundred bucks in the offering, I'll get a thousand back. Wow! What have we done to the gospel? But What is God's heart? What is the life of God? God Himself. What does He want to produce in us? Christ. The hope of glory. He wants to shape us in Him. What He wants to do by bringing life and life abundantly is His life in us. Because all we have to offer is death. He's a God of redemption. He said, I come on the Sabbath. I'm always at work and I come so that I may give you life and life abundantly. The Sabbath reminds us that our self-worth comes from God and Jesus is the true Sabbath. He's giving us a glimpse of what life under God's Sabbath reign is like. The true rule of God where sin and decay no longer works. He took a man whose arm was all shriveled and gnarled and the Lord of the Sabbath came and gave it life to show who He was. You rest in God, and you will find life, life abundantly. That's our God. Our God is ruling and reigning. You came here to get together today to worship that God, to celebrate rest, so that you could focus everything in your heart, mind, soul, and body on Him. And in doing this, you recognize that the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. And it's the same in you, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let your mind, let everything else bow before the thoughts and the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we're trying to understand that as we come together in worship. Some people are upset. You know, we don't let water in the sanctuary or cups or coffee and all that. It's just a simple thing, but it's really this basic because when you come in here, it's not about you. It's about him. A holy God, you're in the presence of a holy God. Can you stop sucking on water or coffee for an hour or two? Stop paying attention to yourself and think of Him and nothing else but Him. Can you stop thinking about what you're going to do later today? Can the songs captivate you? Can you be taken in by the word of prophecy? Can the word of God amaze you to where you're just filled with the presence of God so that you have brought life and rest and healing and deliverance into your being? That is what God meant for Sabbath. The Sabbath rule is not all of the activities you do. It's recognizing what God has done for you. That is the rule of the Sabbath. Let us bow our heads.